a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Welcome listeners to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by, uh, I was going to say old lady, um, lady of old. Um, when I say lady of old, I got myself nicely out of jail there. Um, you know, Kim, uh, Kim Hamer has been on five previous podcast episodes. So uh, hence my terminology um, Oh, Kim, I hope you're not going to hold that against me. Well, I don't know. It depends on where the conversation goes, Paul. I'm <laughs> reserving judgment on that. <laughs> but um, hello, lovely to be back. And hello to everybody who's listening. Which is probably quite appropriate, Kim, isn't it, in the title of Why We Do the Things We Do, Part yes. 2. Um, yes. I suppose why I did that was an attempt, maybe a foiled one, but an attempt at humour. But anyway, we move on. We move on. Um, so, Kim... Just picking up very briefly from part one, why we do the things we do. We touched on the six human needs, didn't we? And certainly the first three of certainty and its opposite number, uncertainty or variety. And then so we also touched on the need for significance. So I'd like to start this particular thread, Kim, in part two on, on the fourth human need, which is the need for love and connection. Uh, maybe a good starting point is for you to share with us what your understanding is of those three words, love and connection. With pleasure. Uh, what comes to mind when I think of love and connection? A connection is a really deeply held value for me. And it became stronger when I decided to move to the UK. So to give you a bit of context, uh, I decided to move to London in November before that, November 2003, I'd never before really entertained moving overseas. I'd been to London twice before as a tourist, but there was just a combination of circumstance. I'd negotiated a redundancy from a job. I'd met some people who were over-travelling and they just kept saying to me, uh, you should, you'd love London. You'd come to the UK, we'll, we'll, you know, help you out. So there was, a, there was a feeling of connection with London before I even moved here. Now, the opposite side of that was leaving the uh, proximity of the people I loved. I'm very, very close to my mum and my sister, who both still live in Melbourne, and my moving to London was a bit like ripping off a Band-Aid. I decided in November I was here by the end of January. So that is a very short period of time for me to move, but also for people around me to adjust to that. And I don't know that I'd do it differently, but that now I'm really aware of 
the risk to the connection we had. I always felt their love and their support, but it took a while for us to regain and develop a different and deeper probably type of connection. And part of that is about uh, knowing the ins and outs, the little minutia of life, but also understanding uh, why I struggled. It was a really tough start in London and it was hard for them to, to connect and say, well, why don't you come home? It would be much easier. And I just said, no, I'm meant to be here. This is the thing I'm meant to do. So that's what springs to mind immediately on, on love and connection with me. And it's something I've had to learn to do at a distance. Mm. It's interesting word love, Kim, isn't it? Because, you know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, if you speak and, you know, this is a, a massive generalization, but if you speak to people and use the word love, there's very often, not always, but very often that connotation, that romantic connotation, isn't there? Some more kind of, you know, deeper, um, more, more physical, more intimately physical connotation that goes with it. And so I think the term love and connection can be uh, quite easily misconstrued. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would absolutely agree with that, Paul. Uh, what's, what's really interesting when you were saying that is that it's not that I don't say I love you easily. I say that to the people close to me all the time, but it's a, it's a term I don't use lightly and it's a term I don't use everywhere because of, you know, creating uh, an expectation of something that, that either I'm not willing to give or, or being misconstrued. I, I, I agree with you. I think there's a, I am discriminatory, I guess, <laughs> mm. about the I love yous in my life. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can become almost cliched, can't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, you know, we're kind of flipping off at a slight tangent now, but I suppose, you know, that brings in our rules for life, doesn't it? That, you know, um, you know, stereotypically, and, and I know I shouldn't sort of stereotype as such, but I'm just trying to really play devil's advert here. But from a guy's perspective, in that real kind of more sort of masculine energy, it's like everything's done through action. You know, I've proved I've loved you because I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other Whereas from the, the more sort of polarised feminine energy, it's, yeah, but, you know, show me, be attentive, talk to me. Um, and there's that kind of whole polarisation, isn't there? Or potential polarisation just around that 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 single four-letter word of love and, and all the connotations, you know, do I love my children? Yes, but not in the same way that I love my mother, that I love, Ooh. you know, my wife, my husband. You know, there's all these kind of rich and varied dynamics, isn't there? And then the word to 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 add on to the end of it called connection to to confuse matters even more. Yes, <laughs> and I, th I I think it's really interesting that uh, that if I start with connection, that one of the things I had to learn how to do was connect with people who weren't immediately in front of me. Mm. I mean, I still, you know, I, I I'm still a big advocate for face to face and meeting people for coffee and that sort of thing, but. I, you know, a lot of my clients uh, are not in the UK. They're not in London. A lot of my family and my really close friends are not in London. And I really value connection. So it's one of the things I really have to work hard at. But it's about meaningful connection. So there's my sister was not on Facebook when I first came across to London. And 
I found it quite difficult because it was like I, when we spoke, you gave the highlights package mm. of life, whereas sometimes when you're on Facebook or, or whatever social media platform, WhatsApp we use a lot now, you, you are in a moment and you can share the moment with someone on, on some sort of platform or digital media. And it was when she joined Facebook and I felt like I was seeing the everyday stuff in her life or the stuff she posted anyway that made such a difference. So I think there's a lot of discussion about the value of social media and digital platforms and we don't talk to each other face-to-face -face anymore, but it's thinking about what does connecting really mean, not just connecting in a transactional sense, but connecting you know, how do you feel in your heart that you're connected with somebody? How do you feel in your mind that you're connected with somebody? I mean, Paul, we've done, I think, two or three podcasts before we actually met face-to-face. -face. Mm. Yet when we first started chatting, there was it felt like there was a meeting of minds. There's a connection. So I think connection, there's it, it can mean so many different things. And I actually think it's less, it's less fraught with some of those um, interpretations compared with the word love. I think love still, you know, raises different, you know, expectations and boundaries and what does that mean? But I think connection is becoming a little bit more malleable. Yeah, um, I understand what you're saying, Kim, um, certainly about the love word. I think for, for me personally, and it can be misconstrued the way it comes across, but I think when you've stripped out those kind of inner reservations and you're very clear in your own mind or more importantly in your own heart what it means it's like well the outside world will put up their own spin on it anyway you know they'll filter it they'll they'll look at it through their model of the world through their lens and I'm not responsible for that yes I have a certain responsibility in terms of the way I communicate absolutely I do you know, nobody should ever, I feel, be that sort of blatantly arrogant that, well, I can just say and do what I want without being sensitive to the, you know, of the empathy of others and creating that empathy with others. But I think certainly I can take ownership and, you know, you, you, we've had kind of close-up conversations, Kim, both uh, on air and personally, where, you know, I, I communicate this way to people with this love, with this emotional language, because it's who I am. Now, I've had one person over the last sort of two, two and a half years, actually sort of, and it was a guy, it's Paul, I'm a bit uncomfortable with it. Are you really? In the most loving, respectful way, tough. Mm. And I don't mean that arrogantly or disrespectfully. This is my life. This is my world. If you don't like it and you can't handle it, then we're not aligned. And that's absolutely fine. There's no judgment with that. But I think life's too short, Kim, isn't it, to start, you know, I think life is for living, not planning. And, and that's, you know, it's not quite that simple because obviously we do plan and organise and goals and, and all that kind of thing. But I think there's far too much emphasis on modern day society about, you know, the thinking and, the you know, the doing, uh, the doing, the doing, the doing. And it's actually, no, do you know what? Because people, as tribal people, we just need to know that we're loved, we're cared for and we're heard whether we're a guy or a girl. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, a couple of things, actually. As you're talking and you were, you were sharing that, that situation where someone said, oh, I'm, I'm not very comfortable with that, I think it's really important. It, it's a moment. 
there's no, we've talked in previous episodes about should, you know, when someone says something, we feel like we, we should do something. And that, that can be a bit of a flag about, Mm -hmm. you know, well, why should I, you know, change my behavior? We don't, we don't have to connect and get along and, and have a meeting of minds with everyone we meet. Sometimes it just, there's a gap there and that's okay. That's okay. Someone really early in my career said to me, and the percentage may be higher, but they said 5% of people will never, ever like you no matter what you do. doesn't matter how much you try and please them, what you try and do. And that was quite a liberating thing to say to me. And I just thought, oh, and you don't know who the 5% are. I don't know who the 5% are. I kind of get a sense when I meet them, but I don't know in, in the context of planning life. So I think that it's about the moments. There's a moment where you connect and that's where there's alignment. There's a meeting of minds. There might be some shared uh, love or emotion or, or humor or something in the moment that connects you. Connection doesn't happen as an overarching piece. It happens in the moments we share and in the moments we have. I think the other thing that really came up out of that um, sharing, Paul, was the importance of being. You're very busy nice. doing. And as a thinker, I acknowledge that I can get caught up in the, in the thinking of life. But it's about who we are, who we're being. And that's what allows us to, to connect with people. And whether uh, that's online, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's distant connection, whether it's family connection, whether it's a conversation at the bus stop for five minutes. It's all about who you're being, not what you're doing. And I suppose the biggest aspect, Kim, is it not? I'll ask it as a question. Um, that this love and connection, this uh, this fourth human need that Robbins advocates, Tony Robbins advocates, isn't the biggest part of that with ourselves first and foremost. You know, I am. I have a self love. And I am connected to myself because if I haven't got me, what have I got to give to you? Nothing. I agree. I agree completely. And I, there's part of me right now that wishes I had have known that a whole lot younger. And I actually learned it, that I didn't really understand what it was to be, to love myself, to, to feel connected with myself. And with all of the things about myself, not just the bright, shiny bits, but all of the really rubbish stuff. Um, when I'm you know, arrogant or rude or too abrupt or uh, depressed, um, you know, I have a, I've been in and out of um, depressive illness since I was a teenager. But it was about connecting with that and saying, okay, this is something that I is part of me that I, I need to accept because otherwise I kept trying to fight it for a long time. I kept trying to beat it. I wanted to win um, in the battle against depression. And it was when I stopped thinking like that that I actually was able to, to manage it as part of life instead of, you know, going in the big ups and downs and, and cycles that happen. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think too much, oh, well, sorry, not enough emphasis is put on that self-nurturing, that self-nourishment. I think the, the modern day term is doing the inner work on ourselves. And, you know, that whole forgiveness thing, Kim, isn't mm. it? It's like, do you know, and, you know, and I take massive ownership of this, massive to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm apparently, apparently the outside world's label labels you know an alpha male guy i've got strong views i do this i great achievements blah 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 all the accolades and sometimes not the accolades as well and it's fine because they're only labels and i treat them both accordingly but you know either way none of them really matter because uh, and i include my family in that and my close ones that because all i have ultimately is this thing called self and realizing that you know as a so-called alpha male and all these perceptions that the world thinks I am um actually do you know what at my true core self I'm a vulnerable little boy with a heart as big as this world and that's what I want to give away and if people are comfortable with that great we dance if they're not we don't dance that's my truth that's my ownership and I think that's all we can do as individuals um Kim isn't it take that responsibility and uh yeah, some will, some won't. So what? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I guess the the other thing to say is that the so what that we talk about is not meant to be cavalier. It's about to be. It's it's about being freed of mm. thinking that you have to mould yourself to absolutely everything around you. There's something I think at the core of all of us. It took me a long time to get in touch with what that really was. And I suspect there will be um, other parts of me that I will learn about and get in touch with over, you know, however long I have on the planet. Um, it's never a, a finished journey. But I think there's a there's a core that I've come to understand about myself, which is, you know, around being connected, a bit growing at the same time, um, because that's what I think I've seen in life is that when I connect with myself, it's like I'm opening up space to learn new things, to connect with new ideas, to, to, to explore stuff rather than be absolute and be right about, about things. So I love that, um, that you, you talk about labels a lot, actually, and um, in previous podcasts as well. And mm. I agree. I think, I think sometimes labels can be a useful way of almost holding up the mirror and saying, well, this is the label I'm giving myself. Does it empower me? And if it doesn't, toss it away. Mm. Have a new label. So I think um, labels can be quite empowering um, because they allow us to define a certain moment, but it's about the awareness and recognition of, of when, that, when the connection with that label no longer serves you. Does that, yeah. does, does that label create a sense of compassion and love for yourself? Does it empower you to connect with others? Um, you know, my thing is about, you know, making people, you know, having people be resilient and capable and resourceful so they can live their best life. That's, yeah. you know, that's my thing, but it's not everybody's. And just and with that label, Kim, it's like, I suppose it's like having a nourishing meal. And I think for me, you did use the right sort of wording that, in that moment in time, you know, we we eat good food and drink good drink to sustain us, to nourish us. Um, and and it's the same with, with that kind of label, isn't it? It's like, OK, well, I've, I've had that now. Uh, I've took the compliment. Thank you. 
Um, but we move on, and I think it's the same principle. But I think what we've done there, Kim, what you did there in your last kind of inch here, was lead very nicely into uh, the penultimate um, human need, uh, which is the first of two spiritual needs. So the first four um, are about a basic core human needs, and then when those are met, and I think it's worth reinforcing that we can meet those in a very positive or a very negative way, and uh, obviously the trick is to meet them positively so they serve. But moving on to the growth, Kim, just, you know, I mean, you laid a nice foundation there. Do you want to elaborate a bit more about the need for growth? Share your need for growth? Sure. My need for growth, if I'm not growing and exploring something new, I get very restless, very bored, and then I start to look for problems to solve. So it's, it's like if you, I always say to people um, when I was, uh, before I, I went into entrepreneur life and I was looking for jobs and all of that sort of thing, I always used to say to people, if you're looking for someone to ma manage the status quo, I am not your girl. I am not your girl because I'm always looking for uh, what's next? What if? How could we? Um, you know, oh, why are we doing it? this way if it's not really serving us you know i'm the person that will go there and and you know i've had to learn how to um land those questions <laughs> so people hear them sometimes walking in and going you know why are we doing it like that does not actually elicit an open uh, space for listening but i love that i get to to grow every day um being an entrepreneur one of the biggest uh, the biggest gifts I got this, this last Christmas was to look back and think, you know, a year ago, I was new at this. I was, I, I hadn't even started my own business. I'd just made a decision to do it and to look back and see how much I'd grown, what I'd learned, what I'd faced, how I'd overcome challenges. I find that really exciting when we achieve things and we grow mm. into new spaces and then all of a sudden we turn around and go, wow, look at, look at that. Look at, look at what I've become now. Look at what I'm capable of. I, that is just so inspiring. And it, it's also one of the reasons that um, I'm uh, a volunteer. I'm a trustee at a, a, a secondary girls' school here in North London. And it's that appetite for growth and resilience that I absolutely love. Mm. That nicely, yet again, Kim, segues into the ultimate human need, are the need for contribution. Tell me about <laughs> contribution, what it means to you. I didn't intend to quite segue that quickly, but okay. <laughs> um, contribution is really interesting one for me because in, uh, in my career, uh, in my working life, I enjoy contributing to people and helping them learn, but I'm not a big one. I don't love managing teams. So as an entrepreneur, I'm not really all that interested in building an empire and having teams and all of that sort of thing. What I love is to collaborate with people and contribute in that way. So that was always there, but I got to a point um, about three and a half years ago where I started to think about the kind of world we're leaving for the next generation. You know, we, we, you know, us, we're, we're responsible for what, what we're creating as a society and as a planet and as a world. And 
I started to think not just about fixing the society or the world or the planet, but thinking about how are we equipping our young people to take on the mantle. Um, some of the greatest lessons I learned were from my mother's example. And I learned that, you know, sometimes you've got to take a stand and it's not always comfortable and it's not always pleasant, but it's about being resilient. It's about being resourceful in the face of challenge, in the face of, you know, no money, no, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and it's about being responsible for, for owning your own life and being responsible for your own success and happiness. So that was a really strong driver for me. And I, I had sort of ticked a box on it. I started volunteering um, in local schools and I ticked a box somewhere about being a governor. It, um, can I find out more about it? And in three weeks, I'd had a meeting with the chair of governors and she, she just so inspired me with her passion for the school. Uh, it was an underperforming school at the time, which has now been completely turned around. It's a great governing body. I get to, to work with the students, fantastic. The staff are fantastic. And we've just, it's just been wonderful, really enriching to know that I've played a small part in, in that journey for those for the, those young women um, and for all of the school community. But it's, it's really important to me to hang on to that. So as busy as I get in business, I think, no, that's my, that's my way of giving something of myself back. Mm. And just reinforcing, Kim, um, something I said uh, pre in this pre you know, previously in this, this conversation, this dance around, we can't give what we don't have. So isn't it absolutely vital that we, at all times we contribute to ourselves? You know, we top up our own reservoirs um, of emotion uh, in our heart, our, you know, our emotional bank account, if you will, as well as our physical bank account, you know, because, we, you know, <laughs> we can't give what we don't have. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's something I had to learn it wasn't a natural thing for a very long time. And it, again, it's probably over the last four or five years that I've started to say it's just as important to look ahead in my diary for the week, my hugely busy diary, and say, okay, so how am I nourishing myself mentally, physically? When is my playtime? When is my non-digital time? So I have those things actually uh, scheduled and protected in my diary. And a couple of weeks ago, um, some other things came up and some of that stuff got shifted and I noticed it about a week later. I thought, wow, I'm really, you know, I really feel like I'm running on empty. It's been about two weeks since I had, I stopped. I had a, probably three weeks, I uh, had a day off and I just had a Saturday where I just stopped. I spent the day pretty much in my pajamas. I went to yoga in the afternoon. I watched movies. I, I read books. It was just, you know, and there was no, pressure to do anything. And it was so important. Um, I came out of that day feeling just so rejuvenated and it just reinforced the importance of making sure we nourish ourselves that we, that as you say, you can't contribute what you don't have in the first place. So for me to, to, and, and also I think there's not just that, but be an example. If you're saying to people, you need to balance your life and you need to work all this, keep all of these plates spinning, then be an example of that. I'm a big fan of, you know, be a product of your product. Mm. So 
the reason I moved you on uh, or moved our, our dance on, uh, we, we upped the pace a little bit there. We Kim, did. Dance, we did. Uh, <laughs> from growth, you know, um, not that I'm a dancer uh, as such, but um, so I won't even try and use a metaphor about waltzers, quick steps or what have you, because I'm talking totally blind. Um, but the reason I did so, I want to, I want to start to uh, bring things towards a close now. Ooh. By asking you two massive questions. And the first one is, and it can be related to the six human needs or not. Um, you know, I'm just interested in your answer full stop, whatever that may be. And it's what's your biggest insight, Kim, into mastering the game of life? My biggest insight it's is that it's just take a small step every day. It doesn't have to be some big and noble thing that we do. Um, in my in my most difficult times when I thought I can't do this, I just say to myself, just take a little step forward. Just take a little step forward. And that just, I think that's really important in mastering the, the game of life because we're in it for the long haul. We want to stay in the game. Mm, very, very powerful, very concise, but very powerful. So the, the second part of that question is how do we take those, those small baby steps? How? That's a very good question. And everybody will find a way to do this differently. Um, I, I use a number of different techniques. So I write in a gratitude journal uh, every morning. And uh, about a year ago, I thought it was all hooey and rubbish and I wouldn't be without it now. It has, and it's not about, again, some big and noble thing. Some days I struggle to go, oh, what am I grateful for today? I have to dig deep but it's about building the muscle. And it's a small thing that takes me less than five minutes every morning. And it just repositions the day. So that's one of the, um, the little um, techniques I use. I think the second thing I'd say is that find a like-minded individual that when you're, that, that's about encouraging your small steps and you encourage theirs. So again, it's about connection with both self and others. Yeah, absolutely. Right, Kim. I think it's time on the on. It's time that um, I'm trying to think of some fancy word. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. <laughs> think of some <laughs> fancy word. Slow down. Kind of, it's fine. Just you, reconnect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some love and connection. Um, that brings in the word needs to. Um, do you know what? There's a, there's a great learning here, isn't there? You know what, listeners? Sometimes things just don't fit, and we just say, "Do you know what? I'm going to leave that behind." Maybe, maybe made a little bit of a sort of error there. That's fine. Forgive myself. Move on. To wit, then, Kim, I say thank you very much indeed for being part of these, well, these two parts of, you know, uh, looking at the six human needs and your invaluable shares and asking yourself to uh, repeat for the sixth time <laughs> how, people, how people might get in touch with you. What's your contact details? Okay. So um, I am all over social media. So I'm going to say to listeners, I'm about to spell something. So if you want to grab a, a pen or open up the notes on your phone to write this down, the best way to find me is to Google me. And then you can connect with me on whatever social media platform works for you. So my name is Kim, K-Y-M for Mary. And my last name is Hamer, H-A-M-E-R. So if you Google that, you will find me on all sorts of different platforms. And then you can choose the one that best suits you. And just reach out um, if you're connecting and let me know that you, you know, you 
you heard me on on um, this podcast talking to Paul. That would be great. I'd love to connect. Superb. All that remains now, Kim, is for me to sign off and uh, repeat yet again my sincere gratitude for the uh, you know the beautiful part you've played in our in our dances. Not just this one, but the uh, the previous ones as well. And you know, long there long may there be many others. And uh, to sign off with our listeners by saying that, um, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.